Hey everyone, welcome back to The Haunted Corner. I'm Ashton, and today I have a few more cold cases to bring some attention to, this time from Texas. But first, I have an update about the show schedule for the next few weeks. We have a vacation coming up in 10 days. So in preparation for that, there will be one new episode this week, one new episode next week, and then there won't be any new episodes for two weeks. We'll be back on our regular schedule beginning June 19th, and I have tons of big things planned for the summer. New Patreon content, new merch, and a lot more. So I'm really looking forward to that. Head over to Patreon if you're not subscribed over there yet. It's a great way to support the show. You get early and ad-free episodes for the regular feed, and then you also get access to the exclusive Patreon-only episodes. So head over there now, patreon.com forward slash the haunted corner, and you'll be notified when everything drops. So 12 days off work, here I come. It's gonna be amazing and I can't wait. I'm gonna feel refreshed and it's much needed and I get to spend lots of time with my boys and the family. So really looking forward to that. Now today, this is our monthly cold case corner where I bring awareness to a few unsolved cases. So let's get into it. Up first, we're heading to Livingston, Texas in 1990. Natasha Ashley was a 19-year-old, spunky, vivacious teen. She was popular, a cheerleader, always the life of the party. She had recently been accepted to college and was living in an apartment and working at Dairy Queen. She was looking forward to attending college and life was looking really good for her. On May 2nd of 1992, Natasha was planning on attending a birthday party with her friends. She arrived at the party with one of her male friends. There was drinking, drugs, including LSD, which she reportedly took part in that night. At some point, there was an altercation and Natasha left alone around 3 o'clock a.m. No one knew where she was going or what her plan was, and she was never seen alive again. On May 3rd, an officer was dispatched to a car fire in a wooded area about a mile from where the party was. Now, car fires are not unusual. Police assumed that it was an insurance job or something like that, and the car was towed to a tow yard. The license plate was linked to Natasha Ashley. Natasha's mother, Karen Woodard, had expected to see her daughter Sunday morning. It was Mother's Day, and Natasha had promised to stop by. Instead, Karen got a call from the tow yard telling her that Natasha's car had been found abandoned in rural San Jacinto County. So Natasha's mom gets out to the tow yard and she starts looking through the car. Immediately, she knew something was wrong. She became visibly upset when she found some of Natasha's jewelry inside the car. And when she got to the trunk, she opened it up and she saw what she thought was a skull along with some other bones, really badly burned. So the bones were tested and were identified as being the remains of Natasha. So her own mother was the one who discovered her body in the car. Ugh, that poor mother. The car was tested for signs of an accelerant, and a private lab was able to conclude that there was evidence of a petroleum fuel mixture that was consistent with drip gas, and the fire started in the passenger seat. But a lot of evidence was destroyed when the car was towed. Like, no one checked to see if there was a body in the car to begin with. No, they just towed it. So police began looking into 
her death and they didn't have a lot to go on. But what they did have a lot of was rumors. So some people were convinced one of the partygoers had hidden in her car and then ambushed her. Others said she was in a physical altercation with several people at the party and they had followed her and killed her. Now, indeed, two people, one being her former roommate, were actually arrested because of this. A witness claimed to see Natasha get in an altercation with Cindy Hennings and Jim Morton at the party. Reportedly, Jim arrived at the party and um, Natasha was under the impression that, you know, they were maybe going to hook up and he ended up going with Cindy. They were fighting over him. That was what they reported. Now, eventually the witness recanted their statement and the two were released. Another man named Kevin, who was the one who supplied the LSD at the party, um, actually left the party with Cindy and Jim shortly after Natasha left. So did they have something to do with her murder? Did they possibly catch up with her after that had happened? They were seen, this witness initially said that they were seen actually attacking her and like Jim was kicking Natasha in the head. So did they follow her and murder her? Well, they lived under suspicion for years, but there's no actual evidence connecting them to the crime. Other rumors included a claim that Natasha had been killed by the son of a county judge who then covered up the crime. A few people said Natasha owed money to drug dealers and they were responsible for her death. One rumor that was that she was pregnant with a married man's baby. And another rumor involved corrupt police officers and a cover-up. Things were all over the place in terms of the rumors. Now, around two weeks before the murder, Natasha had called Keisha Myers, one of her closest friends in Livingston, to tell her that she was going to be in town over Mother's Day weekend. Quote, she wanted to make sure I'd be here when she came to visit. She said she had something important to tell me, but I never found out what it was. End quote. Over the next few weeks, investigators served multiple search warrants, but found nothing related to Natasha's death. They made tons of appeals to the public asking for anyone with information to come forward, but no one ever did. And the case went cold. Natasha's mother, Karen, continued to fight for justice for her daughter. She did everything she could to keep her daughter's case fresh in the mind of everyone Unfortunately, she died of cancer in 2002 without ever learning who was responsible for her daughter's death. In February of this year, Natasha's case was featured on an episode of Cold Justice. The episode is titled Burning Mystery. This show involves a team of investigators led by Kelly Siegler, a former Harris County, Texas prosecutor. What they do is try to help law enforcement agencies solve cold cases. And they've been really successful. By July of 2021, the team helped obtain 49 arrests and 21 convictions in various cold cases from across the country. Go watch the episode if you can. It's really interesting. And they actually came up with their own theory that her death may have been accidental. It had rained that night, so they thought that maybe it was possible that Natasha's car had gotten stuck. They thought that the driver of the car had revved the engine in an attempt to free the car, 
but it caused the back tires to spin and sink deeper into the mud. And there weren't any footprints nearby the car and there weren't any tracks that indicated that she had been followed that night. So Kelly Siegler and the team theorized that the fire had started due to Natasha's repeated attempts to get the car out of the ditch. She likely would have tried to exit the car when she saw the flames, then panicked when she was unable to open either of the car doors. So maybe in her intoxicated state, she had attempted to get out through the back hatch only to find out that the back hatch couldn't be opened from inside the car, at which point she was overcome by the smoke and flames and ultimately died. So that's their theory. But that doesn't really explain the accelerant that was found. So I'm not sure. But that's all we have as of May of 2023. Just theories and rumors about what happened to this poor woman. So was this a murder or an accident? What do you think? Crime Stoppers is offering a $3,000 reward for information leading to the arrest of the person or persons responsible for the crime. If you have any information about Natasha's death, please contact the Texas Department of Public Safety at 1-800-346-3243. Up next, we're going to take a little bit of a different route. I have a former cold case to tell you about, and this one was unsolved for over 25 years. Mary Catherine Edwards was a beloved teacher living in Beaumont, Texas. She was 31 years old at the time that this case occurred. She was petite, standing less than five feet tall. She was described as, quote, a little gal with a big heart. She was well-loved and well-known in the community, along with her twin sister, Allison Bricado, who was also a teacher. I read that Mary would tell her students, quote, if you see another one of me walking around somewhere and she doesn't speak to you, don't get your feelings hurt. It's probably my sister, end quote. A local pastor told the paper that she had been attending a Wednesday night Bible study class and a singles group at First Baptist Church for the last several months of her life. She was really close with her family. She lived alone in a townhome at the time, and she was last seen leaving her classroom around 5 p.m. on Friday, January 13th, 1995. It said that everything was normal that night. She arrived at home, walked the dog, had a glass of wine, and talked to her boyfriend. But when her parents didn't hear from her the next day, they went to check on her. They entered the home, and they discovered their daughter in the upstairs bathroom of her townhome. She was draped over the edge of the bathtub with her head in the water and her legs on the floor. She was naked from the waist down, and her hands were handcuffed behind her back. She had been drowned. Authorities said she had also been sexually assaulted and had 36 separate injuries suggestive of a struggle. The shower curtain and rod were knocked to the ground. Bed sheets and an adjoining bedroom appeared to have been pulled to the side of the mattress, and some of Edward's belongings were strewn about the room, indicating that she may have tried to fight off her attacker. There were no signs of force entry, which suggested that she knew or trusted her attacker. Investigators collected evidence from the scene. DNA from an unknown male was found at the crime scene and a profile was produced. However, it returned no matches in a CODIS search. Traditional forensic DNA testing was used to exclude many people over the years. Investigators looked into several people, but they really didn't have any suspects in the case. 
They looked into police officers, corrections officers, etc., because of the handcuffs that were used, but they couldn't find a reason for anyone to hurt Mary. One of the investigators claimed to have dreams about this case, more like nightmares. This case really affected people. But this investigator claimed he would have a dream of Mary sitting up from the autopsy table and trying to tell him who had committed the crime. But then the dream would end there every time. Eventually, all leads were exhausted and the case went cold. 25 years later, though, in 2020, the Texas Rangers and Beaumont Police Department renewed efforts on the case and offered a $6,000 reward for information leading to the arrest of the person responsible for Mary Catherine Edwards' sexual assault and murder. At the same time, the Texas Rangers Unsolved Crimes Investigation Program and Beaumont Police Department teamed up with Othram, which is a company specializing in forensic genealogy to solve unsolved murders, disappearances, and identification of unidentified murder victims. Investigators wanted to leverage advanced DNA testing and forensic genetic genealogy to help identify the unknown person from the crime scene. Pretty quickly, they had a profile. Now, using this DNA profile, which came from the semen that was collected at the crime scene, investigators were able to insert that profile into genealogy websites, and they found two distant cousins of the then unknown suspect, and they started to build a family tree. More than 30 distant relatives voluntarily submitted DNA to investigators, and they were able to zero in on the suspect's parents. They identified a man named Clayton Bernard Foreman and his younger brother and knew the suspect would be one of them because the DNA evidence matched both their mother and father. His brother had no criminal record, but investigators discovered that Clayton had pleaded guilty to sexually assaulting a high school classmate in 1981. In that case, which had eerie similarities to to Mary Catherine Edwards' death more than a decade later, the victim told police that... Clayton Foreman gave her a ride home after finding her stranded at a gas station in the rain. He falsely claimed to be a police officer to make her feel at ease. But once she got into the car, investigators said he stopped the car and, quote, bound her hands behind her back with a belt and held a knife to her throat. And then he sexually assaulted her. Now, because of these similarities, they zeroed in on Clayton and they took DNA samples from the trash can outside of his Ohio home and matched them with the DNA at the 1995 crime scene. On April 29, 2021, he was arrested and charged with the murder of Mary Catherine Edwards. Now, Mary Catherine and Clayton knew each other from high school. They were casual acquaintances and Mary Catherine was even a bridesmaid in one of Clayton's weddings. Ugh. I believe the court case is still pending because I couldn't find an update. But I did see that um, he refused to leave his cell for the extra- his extradition hearing. So should be an interesting trial. Innocent until proven guilty. But I'm so glad that they were able to f- finally bring somebody in for this murder for Mary Catherine. Forensic genealogy for the win. And that's going to wrap it up for Cold Case Corner this month. If you have any information about the murder of Natasha Ashley, please contact the Texas Department of Public Safety at 1-800-346-3243.
Thank you for tuning in today. The sources for today's episode will be listed on the blog post for the episode at www.thehauntedcorner.com. That will be linked to in the show notes. Check out the other episodes of The Haunted Corner available now wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and also on YouTube. If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to share your support, head over to Patreon. Follow us on social media at The Haunted Corner on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to tell a friend and rate and review wherever you listen. If you have a case suggestion or a correction to share, please send it to thehauntedcorner at gmail.com or submit it through the website. Until next time, be kind and take care of yourselves, and we'll see you soon. Bye.